Did you know that MyBookie.com has more than just sports gambling? Oh, yeah. They've got an online casino that is amazingly fun to play and can be quite profitable. Want to sharpen some skills for a trip to Vegas or maybe another casino? You want to practice card counting, bet variants, or some exotic strategy you saw on TikTok? MyBookie.com. And of course, there's always the sports. Not just football, which we're all salivating about, but baseball, golf, tennis, boxing, MMA, and a bunch of stuff that you'll say, wait, I can bet something on that? Yes, you can. Get an account at MyBookie.com. Enter promo code ZABE so they know that I sent you. And splash around and have some fun in life, especially after you get that reimbursement check from your sales meeting in Grand Forks, South Dakota. MyBookie.com, the one, the only, the official sports book of the ZABEcast. You've heard me talk about Tacovas, the company carrying on all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. Well, longtime listener Jeremy emailed me to say, Zabe, I was on a work trip to Austin, knew about Tacovas from the podcast, stopped into the store. Next thing you know, I've got a damn good pair of boots and I'm looking sharp with a nice buzz to boot. Giddy up. Tacovas believes in Western for all. And you can feel that when you stop in one of their stores and get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 at Tacovas.com. Just use promo code ZABE. That's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo at checkout. It's a $30 value and they sell out fast. Only at Tacovas.com. Today on the ZabeCast, so I was enjoying my wonderful beach vacation when the podmaster, Mr. B, said, Hey, bud, we're running a business here. Put out a pod. So I'm here. It's a haters festivus as the women are out at the World Cup. Also, it's no longer conference realignment. It is full-on D1 survivor mode. All that plus the media biz has never been worse. Your 30-minute dose of pure me on vacation is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Wednesday, August 9, 2023. Thank you for downloading. And you are looking live at a wicked thunderstorm on a Tuesday night on Hilton Head Island, Sea Pines Plantation, Sea Pines Resort, one of the absolute wonders of the world when it comes to family vacations. It's not a hopping spot. If you are not a family man, but if you're a family man that's got some scratch and you don't mind it being hot and humid and occasional thunderstorms, well, then this place is absolutely sweet. So I'm in the van right now. And like I said, so much stuff was happening. I had intended to do a podcast every day because I thought, well, I've got all day to do a podcast. How hard can it be? Just knock out 30 minutes, talk about whatever it is going on in sports. And there's a ton of shit happening, which we'll get to today. And then vacation mode took over, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really have to put one out. Yeah, I don't have to put one out tomorrow either. And then 
my man, Mr. Chris Broussard, said, uh, knock, knock. <laughs> are you putting out anything this week? Because, you know, we are coming into advertiser season, and we got a lot of campaigns lined up. Now, look, I know you hate the advertising, but it's what supports the podcast. And I've listened to some other podcasts while I'm down here on vacation. My podcast ain't got shit on a number of podcasts when it comes to ads and long host-read ads. So either listen to them, skip through them, or save them for later. I don't care. But I was told, you better put something out because we're, we're, we're starting to have these uh, campaigns stack up on top of each other. And truthfully, there's stuff I want to talk about. So today is a big test audio-wise of two different audio methods. Right now I'm using the Rode NTH100M headset microphone headphones. These are supposedly designed by the people at Rode with an O with a slash through it. They're from Australia, mate. And they're really good in terms of podcast products and innovations. But I'm not sure these headsets are it. It's not quite what I'm looking for, but I digress. That's going to be the first half. First half is going to be on this headset mic. You tell me how it sounds. I'm in the car, so it should be sufficiently studio quality. You're not going to hear my kids running around in the background or the TV on. But how does the audio sound? How does this little tiny microphone on my McDonald's drive through headset sound? They say that this microphone is the best, most robust vocal microphone of any typical gamer-type headset with a mic. Gamer, there's tons of gamer headsets available at Best Buy all over the place, but they supposedly, allegedly, don't have the kind of broadcast fidelity that this one does. So you let me know if it sounds okay to you. Second half of the podcast, I'm going to use a lavalier mic, a little clip-on mic, and I'm going to test to see, is that good enough? Because remember, I want it to be not just good enough. I want it to be great. I want, when I'm on the road, when I'm not in my home studio, to have as close to a studio-delivered product as possible. So let's get started. It is a Haters Festivus. As Team USA is out from the World Cup, out in dagger-like fashion, outplayed Sweden pretty much the entire match. When I finally woke up and watched the final 10 minutes, I don't think Sweden had a single run on goal that was at, at all a threat. And the USA had several chances in which you're like, ooh, one more dink, one more doink, this could be danger. But, of course, 90 regular minutes of play and 30 extra minutes of play, or 20, whatever it is, 110, 120, I forget what the number is. Not enough to settle it, so they went to penalty kicks, which every announcer apparently in soccer is obligated to say, boy, you hate to see it come to penalty kicks. Boy, it's a shame it has to come to penalty kicks. Boy, it's too bad. Well, fucking get rid of them then. Uh, like, stop bitching about the way the sport is if you don't like it going to penalty kicks. Personally, I love penalty kicks. Exciting, dramatic, as we saw. I wouldn't mind a whole soccer match being nothing but penalty kicks. 
90 minutes of it. Just back and forth, back and forth. Kick, 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 kick. What's the score? I think it's 45 to 39. I got to check on that. Okay. Let's stop for orange slices and halftime. We'll be back with more. Pedally kick soccer. Kick, 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 kick. I've proposed a number of ways to induce scoring in extra time in soccer, and I have been rebuffed by you soccer people time and time again, saying essentially, hey, buddy, you don't even like or follow the sport. Stop trying to be Mr. Helpful. Okay, fine. Could go 10 on 10. You could give teams or sides alternating one or two man advantages you could loosen or eliminate offsides i'm just you can play without goalkeepers (laughs) you hate when it goes to penalty kicks not me i liked it dramatic incredible and the usa goes out on a var decision video assisted review that purportedly had the accuracy down to a single pubic hair width of the ball and the goal line going over. As uh, Melissa Naylor, Allison Naylor, N-A-E-H-L-E-R, I believe that's our goaltender's name, goalkeeper's name, Naylor. Listen, not going to tolerate that from you listening right now. Grow up, okay? It was a dagger way to go out, and of course the big storyline was Megan Rapinoe, the face of this team, the polarizing face of this team, missing her penalty kick in the worst possible way. Now, you know me. I've got experience with penalty kicks in a pressure situation. I once said, it's a joke that penalty kicks are so easy, so automatic. They're so close to the goaltender. How could anyone ever possibly miss? And then I was challenged by the Milwaukee Wave and their world-class goalkeeper, Victor Noguera, to try to put five of them past him in in hiking boots because <laughs> I didn't have soccer shoes and I did this challenge uh, at the Bob and Brian Open one year in front of hundreds hundreds of fans who had stopped to see this thing it was quite the spectacle I made four <laughs> I made four with hiking boots and so messed up a ligament in my ankle that I was in severe pain that night, couldn't fall asleep, gobbled a fistful of Advil, was nearly in tears. I think I tore a, 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 some ligament because I had no soccer training. I was, I was toe-punching them. I wasn't flexing my foot right. <laughs> but, yeah, you can miss them. The best in the world miss them because they try to get too picky, too finite. They get freaked out of the goaltender if they think they've got them memorized. The, the, the goaltenders had cheat sheets written on their water bottles, which they were looking at right before the kicks commenced. But Megan Rapino missed a kick that could have helped seal it, and the rest is history. She wasn't the only one, by the way, that missed, so it's not all on her. But those who are doing the haters ball on this team and Rapino, oh my God, it was the juiciest, most delicious Sunday morning breakfast you could ever have. Afterwards, Rapino had this odd look. She had very a very odd reaction. Everyone else in the field, all the other gals for Team USA, in absolute tears. Megan Rapino had this Joker-like smile and was laughing. 
And there were some pretty funny comments on Twitter about, yeah, she's given off that vibe of the arsonist that just burned down the building and then showed up once the fire trucks arrived and it was too late to go, hey, what happened here? Wow, this is terrible. I think she was dealing with it in her own personal way. In fact, she talked about it afterwards. Here is Rapino on why she had this kind of dazed smile after missing the penalty kick. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and there's just some some dark dark comedy in me missing a penalty in my last game ever. So. Yeah, because yeah, I was saying with the smile, I mean, was that just pretty much a message that that's football, that's life, things happen? I mean, that's a sick joke. That's just like, yeah, I mean, that's a sick joke. I just, I can't believe that. I just like, I never even, I never even hit them over ever when they're saved. So, yeah, I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah, hey, whatever. I've got all my World Cups. I've got my millions of endorsements. This is my last, right? I'm 38 years, 38, by the way. Well, what are we doing with 38-year-olds on the team? I mean, come on. But, of course, they had to put her on the team because she was the face of the team, got the equal pay, which we'll talk about in a second. Her and Alex Morgan, their final ride. I think Morgan's 36. Eh, you know, I'm not smart enough to know if she sucked during the run of play during the tournament itself. Uh, I think some people said that she was. I'm sure you soccer people can tell me. But, yeah, that's how she processed it. Everyone else is devastated. She's like, ha, ha. That's some sick comedy. I never miss a penalty kick. Wow. Weird, huh? Well, anyway, we lost. Listen, she can grieve and process this however it makes sense to her. Doesn't appeal to me. As Jerry Maguire once said to Rod Tidwell, that's not what inspires people. Not me, at least. I want my sporting heroes, be they man or woman, after a moment like that to be so devastated and then so pissed off afterwards and to accept such responsibility that it looks like they swallowed a bag of lemons on the podium and not doing these one-on-one interviews to stand up there and say, I'm never going to get over this. I was on this team to provide that kind of experience to make that kick when it mattered most because I've been there and I've done that and I failed and I'm going to have to deal with that. But I let down this team, this young team that looks up to me and to Alex and to the generation ahead of them. And I feel sick right now. Any further questions? See, that's what I would have said. All right. Badass. But no, Megan Rapinoe's built different. Rapinoe was asked about what her favorite moment was during her long and illustrious career, and she said it was the fans chanting equal pay, equal pay, during their 2-0 victory over the Netherlands in 2019 to win the Women's World Cup back then. She said she believes that the campaign for equal pay has, quote, changed the world forever. Right. Of course, the way the mainstream media writes these stories up is they then pluck a random Twitter quote from someone who may or may not be a bot, who may or may not have a million burner accounts, might be a 14-year-old punk kid in his mom's basement just stirring up shit. They post that and use that as justification to say, Rapino facing backlash online 
after missing penalty kick. One Twitter follower said, one Twitter user said, Megan is a loser and an embarrassment to our country. If she focused on kicking the ball instead of social activism, she could actually be someone. (laughs) More on that in a second. But let's talk about the equal pay thing. So if you forgot, here's what happened. The women who were winning World Cups were getting a fraction of the money the men were getting when the men actually made their World Cup and advanced into the knockout stage, which is not every cycle, to be sure. Hell, they missed they missed a whole cycle one year when they couldn't beat Trinidad and Tobago, which spawned the great rant, the Taylor Twelman rant of, what are we even doing here? And when you don't make the World Cup, you get no money. Zero. They only pay the teams that are in it, and they pay them more if you get out of the group stage. I digress. So women, the women are like, Fuck it, we're the stars, we're winning, we're going to World Cup, we're winning the World Cup all the time. Why aren't we getting the same amount of money as men? And people tried to point out, uh, because the Women's World Cup makes a teensy tiny fraction of what the Men's World Cup does. That doesn't matter. We're both representing our country. It should be equal. We're the winners. And they just, they kept harping on that, and they hired good lawyers. And so... The harping of the winning, the stone-cold winner version of Team USA women, along with good lawyers, the media, and cancel culture, eventually forced the men to cave. I'm sure the men were like, fuck this. No. You don't just to gra- get to grab half our money because you say we're the same and we should split it all, this is bullshit. Any man on the U.S. team would be crucified for that, and they know it. So there was hardly a peep. And when the media wants to push and push and push and will not let it go, good luck. Good luck on that, because it's going to be a tough one to fight against. So they finally got that arrangement. And the way it works out, it works out great for the women this year. Because the women only made $3 million being knocked out in the round of 16. Whereas the men, by just making the round of 16 and then being knocked out, they made $13 million. So you pool it together, 16 mil. You take 10% off the top. That's the cut. That's the rake for USA soccer. They're going to use it to set up more soccer camps because Lord knows we don't have enough kids playing soccer. Wait, what's that? Oh, we, we do. Oh, we have tons? Tons of kids playing soccer at a young age. Really? Is this a new new development? Oh, no, it's been going on for a long time, huh? Oh, Oh, I wonder why we're not better at soccer. It's a story for another day, I guess. So, yeah, so this time around, the the women are going to make out better. But had they won the World Cup, I think the take would have been almost $13 for them. And if the men don't make it out of group play next World Cup, a distinct possibility, then guess what? They're only going to make about $3 million. So it, the shoe could be on the other foot. If I read the agreement right, the shoe could absolutely be on the other foot. But here's the larger point, and that is this. The women's soccer team is a thing, even though soccer is a niche sport and women's soccer in America— 
Soccer is a niche sport in America, and women's soccer is a niche of a niche. It's a Rob Ninkovich niche of a sport. And even though soccer is a delicacy in the USA and it's growing, I get it. And you know, don't I know I've been seeing what uh, what's his name's doing in Miami, Messi, and that's great, good for them. But let's be honest, niche sport. But the women's team has sort of broken out of that because of their brand, which was a unassailable brand that was catnip for the media and Madison Avenue marketers. Their brand was, hey, look at these gals. Look at them. They look like they could be your next-door neighbor's daughter who babysits for you. And yet, when they put on the USA jersey, they become a fierce female warrior on a global sporting stage taking on China, Germany, Brazil, sweat coating their face, brow furrowed in determination, a kick, a header, a goal, and smiles, perfect suburban orthodontic smiles with the ponytails a-bouncing. They won. Stone-cold fucking winners, time and time again. But if you don't win, if you don't keep winning, if you don't keep winning at least with some panache, if you do it in a way that turns people off, then that's not gonna, nothing's going to matter. It really is, like Ricky Bobby said, if you're not first, you're last. America loves winners, period. Alexei Lalas, who once played for the men's national team and has been a pretty good commentator for soccer, understood this acutely, and so he explained it in a rather bold way on the set after the loss. I, I do hope for good things. You know, and in the in the in the postmortem that is going to happen, and I think right, rightfully so, I do hope that we get to a point where this team is seen in a better light. And again, you know, I think we've talked about it a couple of times here. When I when I think about this team right now, and so many people ask me about this team, um, again, don't kill the messenger. But this U.S. women's national team is polarizing. It. it and, and, you know, the off-field stuff with, you know, politics and stances and causes and personalities and behavior. We've even seen it at this World Cup. As I said on air earlier, it rubs many people the wrong way. And it has made this team, for lack of a better word, unlikable. Not to everybody, but to a portion of America out there. And, and we even talked about the fact that, you know, there are people that tuned in today to hate watch, to see this team lose. And that's not something that I want to see of any, you know, of any U.S. team. And, you know, there are, there are people who won't even watch this team. So it should come as no surprise now that I, I guarantee, you know, when we wake up tomorrow, there will be those with the knives out and there will be those that will use this, um, you know, against this team and against soccer and, and see, I told you so. But there is a bigger problem for this team in that, and I, and I mentioned this yesterday, this team has built their entire brand and identity on winning and being the best. And certainly going out in the round of 16 in the World Cup is, is not the best. And this has brought them fortune. This has brought them fame. Um, and this has been their trump card. It's, it's what's fueled their power uh, and has given them their platform and their megaphone. And if it goes away, Mossy, uh, they risk... They risk losing being relevant. And this team, you like them, you don't, 
they have always been relevant. And for these women, that's not that's not good. As a matter of fact, it, it's a face a fate worse than losing if they are not relevant. Alexei Lalas and Carly Lloyd, the two stars of the Women's World Cup, two massive truth bombs there. Me personally, I didn't get any joy from Rapino or the ladies being knocked out because I don't really care about them. I don't really care about them on a given Tuesday, so I'm not going to splash around in some kind of schadenfreudian joy. Besides, uh, were we going to get a free coupon for a burger or something like that? No. So they lost, they're out. Now let's talk VAR for a quick second. I am skeptical, skeptical that it's that accurate. It was quick, I'll grant you that. They came back with that, yup, it went in pretty darn quick. And then they show the graphic of what they purport the system is able to detect with the ball and the line showing virtually no space between the goal line and the ball. And the rule is the ball must completely clear the goal line. I'm skeptical of it, but I do think at least for goals, VAR is helpful. I know, I said it. There's there's a limited amount of replay that I will tolerate in all the sports, and that will be goal, no goal in soccer and hockey, and a home run, fair or foul, or home run over the fence in baseball. And that was where all of it started, but then it became mission creep. But I'm skeptical Skeptical. the soccer version is that accurate. Did you know that MyBookie.com has more than just sports gambling? Oh, yeah. They've got an online casino that is amazingly fun to play and can be quite profitable. Want to sharpen some skills for a trip to Vegas or maybe another casino? You want to practice card counting, bet variants, or some exotic strategy you saw on TikTok? mybookie.com. And of course, there's always the sports, not just football, which we're all salivating about, but baseball, golf, tennis, boxing, MMA, and a bunch of stuff that you'll say, wait, I can bet something on that? Yes, you can. Get an account at mybookie.com. Enter promo code ZABE so they know that I sent you. And splash around and have some fun in life, especially after you get that reimbursement check from your sales meeting in Grand Forks, South Dakota. Mybookie.com, the one, the only, the official sports book of the ZABEcast. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If 2024 is the year you're jetting off to a new country, or even just want to expand your language skills beyond English, then I urge you to check out Rosetta Stone today. 
Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years. Why? Because it works. Instead of drilling vocabulary words, with Rosetta Stone, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills that fast-track your ability to communicate fluently. Not only is it a more effective way to learn, it's more fun. Rosetta Stone's advanced voice recognition technology gives you feedback on how well you pronounce words. Other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said. Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages with lessons available on your computer, phone, or tablet. And with a lifetime membership, you get forever access to all the lessons for all the languages and never pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, ZabeCast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Okay, let's change gears. Conference realignment. College sports, college football, college basketball, and I assume all these mega conferences now, the the women's lacrosse team is going to be in the same, quote, conference that has to fly back and forth across the country. I assume, but that would be silly because nothing is settled just yet. They're probably trying to figure out a way to break apart from football and say, okay, football, they're going to do their own thing for TV. We ain't flying the goddamn softball team to Ames, Iowa to be in a conference that we're really not geographically doesn't make any sense. But this has been a seismic week. It is more than just conference realignment. It is survivor. The Pac-12 is dead. Long live the Pac-12. Washington and Oregon, the first two to be plucked to the Big Ten. Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State to the Big 12. USC and UCLA already ticketed to the Big Ten with Oregon State and Washington State along with Stanford and Cal as the last scared shipwreck survivors clinging to what's left, trying to figure out, well, what now? <laughs> and who knows? It sucks. For me as a, as a fan, I loved Pac-12 after fucking dark. Loved it. Many of us East Coasties, even though we complain about how late games start on Sunday night and Monday night when we got school and work the next day, for a Saturday night, nothing was better than staying up late watching Pac-12 football with schools and regional rivalries that made sense and some of the most god-awful officiating you've ever seen. The fact that that is no longer a thing, that hurts. That hurts in here. Fuck that. Now apparently the ACC is looking to add Stanford and Cal, not because they necessarily need them or want them, but they're like distressed properties. And the academics of the schools fit what the ACC's profile is. You know, we've got Duke in North Carolina. Uh, We're thinking about, you know, you might be a fit for us. Uh, uh, The frequent fire mile is going to be quite substantial, but still. Uh, Hey, ACC, you need to worry about your own survival because what happened to the Pac-12 could happen to you like that. 
you got to worry about Florida State and Clemson. And of course, it's all about the TV network saying, we do not care where any of these schools are located. Yeah, but what about the regional rivalries? We don't care. Yeah, but none of this makes sense. We don't care. What about the other non-revenue sports? We don't care. What about, listen, how many times do we, the networks with the money, have to tell you people we don't care? Reminds me of the mayor of Albuquerque in the Simpsons episode when they were desperately trying to steal a baseball team. Of course, the Albuquerque Isotopes are an actual team that were spawned, the name at least was, off of this Simpsons episode. But it was the mayor of Albuquerque (laughs) saying, okay, call the Dallas Cowboys, we'll try to steal them. And his secretary saying, I think they play football. And he's like, they'll play what we tell them to play. Looks like we'll have to steal some other baseball team. See what Dallas wants for the Cowboys. Uh, that's a football team, sir. They'll play what I tell them to play. (laughs) For I am the mayor of Albuquerque. (laughs) So, yeah, get ready for Washington versus Purdue. USC versus Northwestern, get pumped for Arizona State traveling to Iowa State, or maybe Utah versus West Virginia. Let's go! Now, will those matchups actually happen when it's all said and done? Who knows? They could easily, you know, sort out into two separate sub-leagues as part of this. But again, you'll watch because the networks will tell you you're going to watch. They'll play what we tell them to play. The conferences can and will be whatever we, the network masters, say they are going to be. And while I like to say this is going to be a massive disaster, problem is it's football. It's college football. Gambling, marijuana, Grubhub, all legal in just about every state now. So I'm guessing the show will go on. Quick break coming up. The media biz has never been worse. I'll give you four news stories that should chill every young buck sportscaster to the bone that's listening. That's next. You are listening to the Zabecast. All right. Welcome back. I am now on my lavalier mic, and we'll see how this sounds. Does it sound better, different, the same? You tell me. Quick reminder. Bloody Horns 2023 redo, because we got rained out on our scheduled date in late July, is for Sunday, August 27th at the Bull at 8 a.m. For those who don't know, I know I need to get get the word out better, but 8 a.m. Sunday, August 27th, Bloody Horns re-rack at the Bull. If you're already signed up and you know about this and you're ready to go on the 27th at 8 a.m., great, I'll see you there. But you need to tell me by the end of this week if you're out, because I've got I've got to get the field set. I've got to adjust it. So you need to tell me if you want your money back. You got until Friday to notify me, to email me, or to uh, activate a Cash App refund re- refund request. There, I said that right, uh, and I'll refund the money. But if not, I'm going to keep it, and I'll either see you there on the 27th or too bad, so sad you just made a donation. I can't keep it open forever. So once again. Uh, re-rack on Sunday, the August, August 27th at 8 a.m. And if you're out, 
I need to know by the end of this week. If you're in, do let me know you're in so I can make sure to make a note of that. But no more refunds at the end of this week. So get the word out to anyone you know that's going to be playing in this. And if you couldn't have made the original, but now you can make the redo, we've got spots that have opened up. I'd say we've got about eight to ten spots that have opened up. So uh, notify me. Email me at zabe at yahoo.com. How bad is the media business right now? Oh, it's bad. It's fucked up. It's still great. Look, I'm hashtag blessed, as they say, to be in the business and to be making a paycheck. And thank God for that after all these years. I'm not, I'm not begrudging my current situation, but man, it's daunting. Everywhere I turn, I think, holy shit, who would want to get into this business? Here's four stories to consider. Story number one, Cumulus Media has filed a lawsuit against two former ticket hosts in Dallas by the names of Dan McDowell and Jake Kemp. Oh, a lawsuit. Wow, what do they do? Did they drive their truck into the tower and knock it to the ground after being fired? No. They dared to start their own podcast. And that's against the rules in their contract. Radio contracts being some of the most one-sided, unfair, insane, absurd things you will ever see. Unless you've got a great agent like I do, Matt Miller, agent to the stars, who works hard and negotiates hard to make sure it's as fair as it can possibly be. I thank him for being my agent all these years. But even my deal has things in it. You're like, well, this is bullshit. But basically, Cumulus didn't like the fact that they couldn't renew the two hosts at a salary that they agreed upon, and they said, we're just going to go do our own podcast. After their exit, McDowell and Kemp started a Patreon podcast called The Dumb Zone, a play on their former ticket program, The Hang Zone. In response, the company sent, a pair, sent the pair a cease and desist letter and then filed a lawsuit. In the complaint, the company argues that McDowell and Kemp created the new program while still employed at the ticket, how dare they, in violation of their non-compete agreements. I'd love to see how they proved that. It alleges the program began recording an identical show which follows the same program format as the Hang Zone, focused on a, ready for this, male audience and on Dallas area sports. No shit. Legal documents also show the company believes that Kemp and McDowell rebranded social media accounts owned by the ticket to feature the duo's new show. The company has asked for temporary injunction against the pair and the podcast, The Dumb Zone. Said Cumulus Broadcasting, quote, they believe without a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction, they will continue to suffer substantial irreparable harm to their business as a result. So in other words, hey, we want to assign you to a new shitty contract with tons of restrictive clauses for not as much money as you would like to make. And they go, yeah, nah, we could probably make more doing our own podcast. So they, <laughs> they start their own podcast, they get sued. There's also apparently a non-compete clause that prohibited them from starting this up to six months after their contract ends. Non-competes are standard 
in the business. Some states, they are less enforceable than others. But holy shit, are you kidding me? So get two more hosts. It, you know, it's not like these two guys, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to big time and say I've never heard of these guys, but, you know, they're part of an army of guys like, like them and me and everyone else. We're just paid yakkers out here talking about sports. <laughs> and their radio company's like, how dare you start a podcast talking about sports focused on the male audience? How dare you? How dare you? That's story number one. Story number two, they found a co-host, sort of, for Skip Bayless on Undisputed. Who is it? Richard Sherman, the former brash, mouthy Niner and Seahawk. The same Richard Sherman who once clown Skip Bayless in a very tense ESPN segment back in the day when Skip was on ESPN's first take with Stephen A. Smith. So in other words, back then, Sean, or excuse me, back then, uh, Richard Sherman had no use for asshat clowns like Skip Bayless. Now that he is being dangled, I'm sure, three, four million a year, he's like, well, I guess I could work with him. It's incredible. They say that he's going to do between 50 and 100 shows a year. This according to Andrew Marshawn of the New York Post. And he's expected to be featured prominently during the football season. Well, I hope so, because I don't know how good Richard Sherman's non-football takes are. I don't even know how good his football takes are. I know this, he was a fucking hell of a corner. He was a nasty-ass corner back in the day. But that's story number two. So in other words... Even the ex-athletes who have made millions, who once said, I wouldn't work, who what, he didn't say he wouldn't work with, but he said, fuck this guy, you know, Skip Bayless. Who's he? Clown. What? How many million? Yeah, no, we can debate the Lakers. Sure, I like the Lakers. Let's do it. Then there's this. Colin Cowherd has set the bar even higher on his production team's all-time gaff list, and I think Coward himself is now part of this because he read it, even though it was on the graphic. This is amazing, okay? He put a dead quarterback on a list of these guys can't win a Super Bowl list. And not only that, but it actually was mislabeled by whoever did the graphics that day, in which... They said, here are guys who can win the Super Bowl. On the list included one Dwayne Haskins, who, may he rest in peace, was killed at 3 a.m. trying to cross a busy interstate after running out of gas in South Florida. Yeah, I'd say it's going to be pretty hard for Dwayne Haskins to win a Super Bowl. And then the third category is 20 guys who are not getting to a Super Bowl and certainly not winning it. And that's everybody else. From Baker Mayfield, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Dwayne Haskins, guys, guys that are just not... that, that they're, Yeah, that it says can win Super Bowls. It can't. <laughs> can't win Super Bowls. Yeah. Okay? So six stars, four high-end starters, and 20 guys that can't win a Super Bowl. Ba-ba-da-ba-ba-da. Yeah. Embarrassing. Beyond embarrassing. And here's your here's your depressing point I'm trying to make, young broadcasters. 
Colin Cowherd makes $5 million per year. He is even supposedly a hot property now that ESPN wants stars and stars only. They fired everyone else who's not a star. They're in the Pat McAfee, and I guess maybe soon, Colin Cowherd business again? How does he read that? How does that get... I'm just, I'm stunned. It was a whole graphic, list of quarterbacks. Nobody on that production staff said, uh, I don't think we should put Haskins on there. Why not? Uh, because he died. <laughs> of course he can't win the Super Bowl. He's dead. Duh. And also, how does Bayless, or how does Colin Coward, I just conflated the two, both insanely overpaid, Although the market will bear what the market will bear, I guess. How does he not quickly, in the 15 minutes before they go live, say, okay, give me the graphics we're going to show for each of our segments. Okay, let me take a look at that. Uh-huh. 20, uh huh. Whoa. Haskins is dead. Guys, we can't run this. Plus, it's mislabeled. I want it to say quarterbacks who cannot win a Super Bowl. So it's pretty obvious that Coward between his radio show and this is stretched so so thin, and they employ such young idiots in their production department at Fox that they would put a graphic like this together. But man, this is an all-timer. And again, he makes $5 million per year. That ought to be depressing. You want to make $5 million a year, you're not going to make $5 million a year. He's making all of the five millions per year. You're going to be working at the ticket in Dallas, thinking you're doing a great job. Cumulus or some other, you know, blood-sucking radio company is going to come at you with a team of lawyers, give you a shitty deal, say, take it or leave it. You're going to say, well, fuck it, I'm leaving it. Then start a podcast that's still only going to pay you 60% maybe of what you could have made, but at least you've got the freedom to do what you want, and then they're going to sue you. That's what you're going to get. You're not getting the five million. Skip Bayless. And Colin Coward are getting the $5 million for their shit takes. Okay, that sounded a bit bitter. I'm going to calm down. And then there's this story, and boy, is it a doozy. Orioles announcer suspended for being factually correct about his team. The, the announcer's name is Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. Young Kevin Brown. Nerdy looking, I'm sure knows his baseball, probably went to Syracuse. Loves the fact he's in the majors. He's in the majors calling a hot young team right now in the Baltimore Orioles. The problem is the ownership family there, the Angelos family, the old man who's on his deathbed at this point, and the kid are complete asshats. And so Kevin Brown got suspended because before a game in Tampa, read a graphic prepared by their production truck that simply and only pointed out the fact that the Orioles have not played well in Tampa. Here is what got Kevin Brown suspended, even though the team won't admit it, but they didn't, they clearly didn't explain why he was suddenly off the broadcasts. This is what got young Kevin Brown suspended. This has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. 
It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th. 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Talk about the polar opposite or the entirely other end of the spectrum to say that Tom Brenneman's suspension or firing, which was totally deserved, oh, by the way, and here's a long drive by Castellanos, and uh, oh, boy, I'm in big trouble. That was it. Other broadcasters quickly picked up on this. By the way, the team said, so Brown called that game a win by the Orioles, hallelujah, but was not in the booth the TV booth for the next series at Philly, he was in radio, and the team said, or someone said that was due to an issue with another announcer. At least that was the reporting according to The Athletic. And then when the Orioles returned home, he was completely off the air with no official explanation from the team. He was not on assignment. He was not under the weather. He didn't have COVID. He wasn't attending a grandmother's funeral. It was just, nah, he's gone. So without the team saying, no, 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 he's fine. We love Kevin Brown. You pretty much filled in the blank that someone, I guess uh, the, the, the junior Angelos, whoever that is, the son of Peter, just said, we can't have our announcers pointing out the fact that we are 0-15-1 in our last 16 series in Tampa. We can't have it. Yeah, well, your truck put it there. Here was Michael Kay on the Yes Network making that very point. A lot of, by the way, so here's a smattering of announcements that rally true, to the defense I'm going of to young Kevin to believe Brown. It's true. They should be ashamed of themselves because not only was what Kevin said in the Oriole notes that night, but it was on a graphic which means that it was planned. So if you're going to be so thin-skinned to suspend Kevin Brown, then you have to suspend the entire Oriole truck, the producer, director, graphics. You have to suspend all of them because they're all complicit in this. And if John Angelos, the owner of the Orioles, didn't like that, then he's thin-skinned, he's unreasonable, and he should actually go. get a call from Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, because it's unconscionable that you would actually suspend a really good broadcaster for no reason whatsoever. He didn't do <laughs> I mean, great point. Great point. So there was one reaction. Jason Bonetti of the White Sox had the following little jab. You know, they're done with the Orioles for the year, the team in first place in the AL East, but they actually played Baltimore pretty well. They were 6-7 and seven against the Orioles this year, so they lost seven times but they did beat baltimore six times which i hope i don't get suspended oh, by the orioles for saying that zing. then there was gary cohen of the mets with keith hernandez talking about it well we were just in baltimore watching a resurgent orioles team that has really gotten the attention of the fans there 
They're a young team. They're fun to watch. They're in first place in the American League East. They are just having a great season. And in the midst of that today, the Baltimore Orioles organization draped itself in utter humiliation with their treatment of one of their young broadcasters, a guy named Kevin Brown, who is one of the great young talents in broadcasting in this game. That's line to center field, and Bellinger makes the catch one out. During a recent game at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Kevin, during his opening, talked about how the Orioles had had trouble winning in the past at Tropicana Field, but that they were doing better this year. That was really all he said. And for that, the Baltimore Orioles management decided to suspend Kevin Brown. Let me just say one thing to Baltimore Orioles management. You draped yourself in humiliation when you fired John Miller, and you're doing it again. And if you don't want Kevin Brown, there are 29 other teams who do. It's a horrendous decision by the Orioles. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, see, here's the problem. There are not 29 other teams that will have young Kevin Brown. You could swing a dead cat by the tail and hit six Kevin Browns in the dark. Kevin Browns, I'm sad to say, are disposable items. It's true. So many young, talented broadcasters out there that love baseball are chasing this dream. It is a numbers game like you wouldn't believe. And you can say, well, but listen to how I make a call. Listen to my command of the stats. Everyone does. But you can still make it. And then you get this job. And then the fucking ownership group says, how dare you point out that we aren't good in Tampa. We're going to suspend you. We're going to throw high and tight to let you know you need to, you need to make us look good. If you love baseball, you've got a dream and you want to call games for a living. Okay. You can have that dream. Can I give you an alternate dream here? You ready? How about, do you want to be able to afford a house someday or get married or not move six times or raise a family? Maybe you want to retire someday. Well, here's what you should do instead. Here's a dream for you. You ready? At a young age, build an absolute fucking battleship of a life insurance business book. Then retire at 50 as a multi-multi-millionaire. And then call all the fucking baseball games you want into your phone. From the luxury seats that cost $750 a game at Yankee Stadium or wherever. And you don't even blink paying for it. There. Boom. You're still a baseball fan. You love the game. You follow it. You can call games into your phone. You're also a 50-year-old multimillionaire, not a 50-year-old clinging to a job with a thousand new Kevin Browns trying to take it, worried about some dipshit in John Angelos firing you because you didn't suck the team off hard enough. There. There's a dream for you. I know. All right, that'll do it for me. Thanks for listening. My car shut off. The good old Kia Carnival has a feature that says, listen, if you're just going to leave this car running with nobody sitting in the passenger or in the driver's seat, we're turning it off after 45 minutes. So I guess that's a good feature. It's not good for me podcasting in this van, though, that's for sure. Thank you for listening. Feedback on the two different audio sources. First one, headset. Second one, lav mic. Could you tell a difference? Did it make any 
difference to you, I'd love to know. Send me an email, zavidyahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Back to my vacation, everybody, and we will see you next time. Okay, you action-loving sports maniacs, look, we all like having something-something on the games. Hell, it's what keeps us from going to bed or watching Top Chef. But when you are putting your money out there on these rough gambling streets, the number one thing you need to know is simply this. A, when will I get my money without a hassle? And B, is this online sports book going to be a dirt patch in a cloud of dust next week? Well, with the official sweet action site of the ZabeCast, my bookie is that place. I've been doing business with them for over five years. They've got great odds, don't gouge on the VIG, have all kinds of props and futures, and best of all, in the rare case there's ever a customer service issue, guess who your customer service rep is? That's right. Me, El Baldo. So get in there, open an account, use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, so they know that I sent you. And bet with your head no over it, and you'll never look back. You'll never be tempted to try these other big clown books that are spending a trillion dollars on fancy ad campaigns. MyBookie.com, MyBookie.com. You got a bookie? Yes, you do. And you don't have to meet him in a seedy Italian restaurant to settle up.